The True Crime Beyond Bad podcast may contain material that is of a violent and graphic nature. This podcast may not be suitable for some people. You have been warned. Hello everyone and welcome to the True Crime Beyond Bad podcast. My name is Rob and I'll be your host. I hope you're all good and that you've been enjoying the podcast. The show is doing way better than I expected and I thank everyone that has been recommending and sharing the podcast with their friends. Please keep it up. I really appreciate it. Uh, Episode 4, titled Who Killed Jaden Lesky? will focus on the kidnapping and death of toddler Jaden Lesky. These tragic events took place in a rural town of Maui in the Latrobe Valley, approximately 130 kilometres or 80 miles east of Melbourne, Australia, in 1997. Jaden was just 13 months old. Uh, I'll take a look at the background of the people involved and the events that led up to his disappearance. There's a lot of information in this case, so I will be making this a two-part episode. Also, uh, please come and see me or join me on social media. Um, I've got a Facebook group um, called True Crime Beyond Bad. So it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash true crime beyond bad. I'm also on Twitter at uh, twitter.com forward slash beyond crime. I don't know why it gave me that title, but it did. And I've got a webpage, truecrimebeyondbad.com, all one word. Um, I will put all the links in the show notes, so um, you can link up to me there. Uh, You can find this podcast on your favourite podcast app, also through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Google Play, and whatever else that play podcasts. So, um, yeah, you can find me everywhere. Okay, so uh, grab yourself your favourite beverage, sit back and relax. This is True Crime Beyond Bad. Maui is a small industrial town in the Latrobe Valley of southeastern Victoria, a southern state of Australia, 130 kilometres from Melbourne. The Latrobe Valley is the home of power stations, with their smokestacks continuously billowing out steam. The main street looks much like any shopping strip in the working-class suburbs of an Australian city. The highway to Melbourne has since bypassed the town, giving passing motorists no reason to stop and visit. Maui used to be a vibrant, bustling town with many of its residents working at the valley's open-cut brown coal mines and State Electricity Corporation's power stations. With privatisation came redundancy and recession. Many workers lost their once secure jobs. With unemployment came a mass exodus which meant a drop in housing prices in some areas. 
complete homes could be bought for $10,000 in areas locally known as the Bronx, where police were regular visitors. This part of town is near where Belinda Murphy and Katie Lesky lived. It was in this environment that the government developed a policy of assisting the relocation of single mothers to the town. With the low cost living, welfare payments would go further. Well, that's what the government thought. Belinda Robin Murphy was born on the 22nd of September 1975 in the large town of Bairnsdale, Eastern Victoria. Her mother Pam was the teenage daughter of a policeman, her father a timber mill worker. Belinda was the second child. She had a sister three years older, Katie Ellen Murphy. She had a younger brother, Glenn, who was born in 1977 when the family moved to Myrtleford. Belinda's father was often drunk and violent and would be frequently thrown out of the home, but it usually wouldn't be long before Pam would let him return. This would become a recurring event. Eventually, Pam would gather up her family and move to Lake's entrance, leaving her husband for good. At the age of 16, Katie ran away from home to visit a girlfriend in Maui. It was during this time that Katie would meet Brett Lesky at a party. The two of them spent the next day in bed together. They then later headed back to Pam's home where Katie wanted to show off her new boyfriend. This was the first time that Brett and the very young Belinda were to meet. Belinda and Katie had a strong rivalry and resentment for each other, probably more than your average big sister-little sister relationship. Katie had always struggled with Belinda's good looks and bad temper. Katie and Brett eventually moved into Brett's parents' house on a dairy farm where they helped milk cows. Within weeks, Katie had moved back to Victoria where she again ran into Brett Lesky at Lake's entrance. They spent a couple of days together in a caravan park. Katie returned to New South Wales pregnant, but not to Brett. Soon after her return, the Murphys were on their way back to Victoria to live with friends at Sale. Sometime after their return, Katie had run into Brett again. This time Brett had noticed that Katie was pregnant and presumed it was his child. Katie didn't say otherwise. Trying to do the right thing, Brett asked Katie to marry him and she accepted. Belinda always believed that Katie had tricked Brett into thinking the child was his, but Brett could have had his own motives. He was facing jail after allegedly stealing some checks from his boss. In court, he used his new family to win favour with the magistrate who acted leniently. The wedding was very modest Katie's dress was a second-hand debutante gown and both their rings were bought from a pawn shop in Morwell. The marriage was held in front of Brett's parents' farmhouse with a small gathering of friends. The Lesky parents, Elizabeth and Ray, took a dim view of their new daughter-in-law. Katie had insisted that her sister was to wear a dress to the wedding. Belinda did not attend the wedding, stating that she refused to wear a dress because she didn't want to look too girly. Elizabeth Lesky believed that Belinda didn't attend the wedding because of the feelings she had had for Brett. Katie and Brett lived on the farm for a few weeks until they were asked to leave 
when Brett was caught doing burnouts in his car on the front lawn. They briefly lived with Brett's sister before renting a house in Yalorn North. This arrangement lasted just long enough for Katie to become pregnant again, this time to Brett. Brett was finding it difficult to cope and had a sudden nervous breakdown. Things came to a head at their joint 21st birthday party. Brett and Katie argued fiercely. They managed to patch things up briefly during a trip to Lake's entrance, but the rot had set in. It didn't help that Belinda was living with them. Katie suspected an affair between Brett and Belinda, and when the two of them left for Yalorn North to pick up some things from a house, Katie told them both not to come back. Katie remained bitter of the relationship between Brett and her sister for a long time. Belinda's relationship with Brett started a couple of months after the failure of her sister's marriage. A year later, Belinda and Brett had a child, a girl named Brianna. On the 30th of April 1996, Belinda and Brett had a second child, a boy named Jaden Raymond Lesky. He was born at the Maui Hospital. Jaden was your typical mummy's boy, who only seemed happy when he was with his mother. Brianna and Jaden were close and got up to all sorts of mischief together. Jaden liked to play with junk rather than traditional toys, like, em- like empty cereal boxes or discarded empty plastic drink bottles. Brett, Belinda and the two kids lived in Park Street, Maui for several months until just before Jaden's first birthday, when their relationship started to hit the rocks. Katie again was to play a part. Belinda would confide in her sister, telling her that Brett didn't want to marry her. Katie would reply to Belinda with comments such as, He won't marry you because he loves me more, or He was married to me. Katie also told Belinda to send Brett to Western Australia because he had always wanted to go and if he loved you he would come back. Belinda took that advice and sent Brett to Western Australia, but he didn't return. Before Brett was sent to Western Australia, the two of them officially broke up and Belinda had become involved with another man. Before leaving for Western Australia, Brett had worked in a makeshift factory in Delator Road, Maui, with an acquaintance, Greg Domasavich. Brett and Greg knew each other from around town and had mutual friends. Brett had rented half the space in the makeshift factory, but was not partners with Greg. Brett felt Greg was too lazy to work and said Greg would have been lucky to have done three months' worth of work in the past 18 months. All this time, Belinda and Greg were growing closer. Belinda liked that Greg would take an interest in her son, Jaden. Katie, at the time, had made it well known to her friends that she would do her best to break up Belinda and Brett. If she couldn't have Brett, no one could. Greg would often look after Jaden, giving Belinda a break from his frequent crying. Greg was happy to look after Jaden, but wasn't interested in looking after Brianna. Greg also wouldn't change Jaden's nappy, claiming he didn't know how and couldn't stand the stench. So on occasion, he would drive Jaden back to Belinda's house to have his nappy changed. 
Belinda was driven to despair with Jaden's incessant crying and took him to a medical centre on several occasions to try and get to the bottom of his crying. Every time Jaden was examined, he was found to be in good health, with no obvious signs of what was making him cry. Jaden's first birthday came soon after Brett and Belinda had separated. Brett had phoned Belinda about the birthday arrangements. She told Brett, Oh, we're going to McDonald's with Katie and her kids. Well, I'd like to be there for my son's birthday, Brett said. Oh, no, 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 it's not a good idea, Belinda replied. In the end, they didn't go to McDonald's. Belinda and Jaden spent the day with Greg instead. Brett got to see Jaden on the weekend before he left for Western Australia. It was the last time he saw him. At the back of Greg Domasavich's house was a tall, thin, white plastic bucket with a plastic lid that was sealed tight. It was a type of bucket that you would buy large quantities of swimming pool chlorine in. This bucket wasn't full of chlorine. Greg had filled it full of fish heads and fish guts. He kept it for his enemies. When Greg wanted to take revenge on an enemy, he would take a large syringe and fill it with revolting smelling liquid. He would then inject it into, for example, his enemy's air conditioning hose outside their house, filling the house with an unbearable stench. He would go to extraordinary lengths to exact revenge. This was the type of person he was. Greg Domasavich was born in Maui on the 26th of September 1968 to first-generation Russian immigrant parents. He attended the local high school but dropped out in 1986 before finishing his HSC, now called a VCE. Greg would rarely stray from the Latrobe Valley, occasionally visiting a cousin in Melbourne. Greg was a small town guy yearning for a big town reputation, a wannabe tough guy who wasn't impressed or intimidated by authority. Greg has a close relationship with his family, his brother Peter and mother Helen. His father had died suddenly of a heart attack while working at a neighbour's house when Greg was 14. At 15, Greg left school. Greg fell in with a bad crowd and became a heavy dope smoker. Greg self-taught himself some automotive skills and with the aid of Jobstart grant from the government, opened a small factory where he performed minor mechanical work, panel beating and spray painting. Greg's friends found him to be a cunning and manipulative and manipulating person who was prone to violence. Greg was also known as a practical joker. On occasion, he had borrowed a friend's car and then rung them telling them that he had crashed it and written it off. Then he would return it and the friend would be relieved, not being impressed by the joke. Greg had been involved in an earlier tumultuous relationship with a girl called Yvonne Penfold. He was convinced that Yvonne was the woman for him. He wanted Yvonne to be the mother of his children. However, Greg was having a sexual relationship with Yvonne and Belinda at the same time. Greg eventually broke off his relationship with Yvonne to focus on his relationship with Belinda because Yvonne refused to have children with him and Greg was desperate to have a son. 
and Belinda already had a son that he could raise as his own. Greg first looked after Jaden in April 1997. Belinda had left Jaden with him for a couple of hours. This set the pattern for the next couple of visits. Belinda soon became comfortable with Greg looking after Jaden, and the hours became longer. Belinda was glad of the respite. However, Jaden soon went from being an innocent playmate to a new form of amusement for Greg. He became something for Greg to tease and control. Greg couldn't take Jaden's crying and would take it out on the boy. Friends of Greg said that they saw him push Jaden over several times, which would make him cry harder. This would make Greg leave the room to get away from the crying. Greg was also known to turn the stereo up loud to drown out the boys crying. Greg had mistreated Jaden many times and in front of his friends, giving Jaden backhanders across the face, and his friends never reported Greg or even mentioned it to Belinda. Jaden was often returned to Belinda with bruises and even a black eye, but Belinda was afraid to report it of fear of Jaden being taken away by child services but she continued to have Greg babysit Jaden. Belinda saw it as Greg was doing her a favour for looking after Jaden. A couple of days before Jaden disappeared, Belinda had Greg look after the boy while she and her sister went shopping. On return, she discovered that Greg had given Jaden a haircut. It was no ordinary haircut. Greg had shaved Jaden's head at the front and all that was left was stubble in a half-moon shape. There were two triangular shapes shaved into the back of his head. Greg had given him a haircut that resembled his own balding head. Despite this, Belinda again agreed to let Greg mind Jaden for the day. It was the last time he would mind the boy. Saturday, 14th of June, 1997. Greg woke late. He had been working on a friend's car transmission all week, but did not complete the job. His friend needed the car for Saturday, so Greg had got the car to a stage where it was drivable. His friend was to bring the car back on Sunday morning to have the job finished. But in the meantime, this had given Greg a lazy day where he had nothing that needed to be done in a hurry. After getting up around midday, Greg went outside to work on one of his own vehicles. Greg had a couple of visitors that day, one of whom was Clint McCarthy. Clint had come by to drop off a Nintendo controller which he had borrowed. Clint was on his way to work as a chef, so they arranged to catch up later that night when he finished work around 7.30pm, where the two of them would head off to another friend's house. Belinda and Katie had planned a big night. They were attending a friend's birthday party in Terelgan. The party would start in the afternoon and kick on into the night. They arranged for a babysitter, Julie Brassington, a local girl who knew the children well, to take care of Jaden and Brianna, along with Katie's kids, Shannon and Harley. After Greg's friends had left, he drove to Belinda's house and told her that he wanted to look after Jaden for the afternoon. Belinda had no trouble with the idea, 
She told Greg about the party in Taralgon and said she would be out for the afternoon and night. Greg told Belinda to get Jaden ready and pack some extra clothes while he went to buy his weekly lottery ticket and he would pick Jaden up on the way back. On returning, Greg picked up Jaden and gave Belinda, Katie and Brianna a, a ride back to Katie's house where they would leave for the party later. Greg gave Belinda some money for alcohol, stating that you can't go to a party without having a drink because Belinda was broke. Greg and Belinda did not agree on a time that he would have Jaden, but there was an understanding that he would drop Jaden back to Katie's house with the babysitter sometime later that afternoon. Belinda leaned over to the back seat and kissed Jaden, climbed out of the car and waved goodbye to her son. Greg drove off. It was the last time Belinda saw her son alive. On arrival back home, Greg took Jaden out of his car seat and noticed that his pants were wet. He changed him into dry pants and the two of them played video games while Greg played video games and Jaden watched. When Greg got tired of video games, he and Jaden went outside to throw a ball for Greg's dogs. Greg then took Jaden into the shed to work on his car, but soon tired of that when it started raining heavily, so the two of them went inside the house. Jaden was hungry, so Greg fed him and the two of them watched TV until the rain stopped. Around 3pm, a former friend of Greg's, Darren Farr, rang and he was angry. The two of them had had a falling out over some minor car business. Darren was upset that he had heard that Greg wanted to kill him by Christmas. He wanted to know if the rumours were true. Greg denied ever having stated such a rumour and the pair ended their conversation on amicable terms, even agreeing to have a few drinks the next day. Greg suspected that Katie had started the rumour and rang Katie's house around 4pm to question her. Belinda answered the phone and calmed Greg down. She said that Katie hadn't started the rumour. She asked Greg if Jaden had enough clothes for the cold and then hung up. Once she had hung up, she confronted Katie and asked her if she started the rumour. Katie admitted to starting it. Belinda had no idea why Katie would start such a rumour, knowing it would start a fight between Greg and Darren. At this point, Belinda was angry, and for her, the party was off and she was going home. She grabbed Brianna and walked home up the hill in the rain. Later in the afternoon, a neighbour heard Greg scream. It was not like a scream he had heard before. Later, the neighbour could not work out whom Greg was screaming at. Clint rang Greg's place three or four times that afternoon to make sure he would be ready when he came around to pick him up but the phone rang out each time. After Clint finished work, he drove to Greg's house, but did not stop because Greg's car was not in the driveway. No one had heard from Greg until later in the evening when he rang Julie Brassington, the babysitter, to ask where Belinda was. She told them that they had all left for the party, not knowing that Belinda had left earlier for home. 
Belinda had tried to call Greg about 20 or 30 times between 5.30 and 7.30pm to tell him not to drop Jaden off at Katie's house every time the phone rang out. She expected him to be home and started to worry. Later on, Katie's boyfriend, Neville, had tried to bring peace between the two sisters. He rang Belinda soon after she had left Katie's house and apologised on behalf of his girlfriend, telling Belinda that he really wanted her to come to the party with them. Belinda wasn't sure. She didn't know where Jaden was and Greg wasn't answering the phone. Belinda then rang Greg's friend, Glenn, to see if he had seen Greg. He hadn't. She told Glenn that she was going to call the police if she didn't hear from Greg in the next two hours. Glenn assured her that the two of them would be okay. Belinda started to think that she was overreacting and that it would be okay for her to go to the party. Katie and Neville arrived soon after and Belinda decided to go to the party reluctantly. She felt uneasy. She got mad at herself for being suspicious and knew she should just forget about it and have a good time at the party. When they arrived at the party, Belinda tried ringing Greg again with no response. Belinda quickly got into the party spirit by drinking heavily, starting with Sambuca and moving on to bourbon. Belinda had said she wasn't a drug user, but she was a big drinker. The party started to run out of steam around 10.30pm, so Belinda, Katie, Neville and a couple of others decided to catch a cab to the nightclub at Ryan's Hotel in Terelgan. They arrived at the nightclub around 11pm. Around 11.10pm, Belinda decided to ring Greg and see how Jaden was. This time Greg was home. She asked him how Jaden was and Greg's response was, Shit happened. Jaden had fallen against the heater and I took him to casualty at Maui Hospital. Belinda decided that she wanted to come home immediately, but Greg convinced her to stay at the pub. There was nothing she could do. He told her to ring when she was ready to go home and he would come and pick her up. Belinda wanted to leave right away and told Katie what happened. Katie told her that Greg was probably playing one of his practical jokes and Jaden was okay. Belinda's spirits immediately lifted when her sister told that, knowing the practical joker that Greg was. Belinda and Katie went back to the bar and attacked the drinks. About 1am, one of Greg's neighbours, Marion McKinnon, heard his car start up being very familiar with the sound of his engine. She heard it start, reverse and drive away from the house in the direction of Maui. At 12.30am, a a neighbour of Belinda's got up to use the bathroom and heard a car idling outside. She pulled the curtain back and noticed Greg's car out the front of Belinda's house. After drinking too much, getting too drunk... Belinda was kicked out of the pub. It was about 2am. She rang Greg to come and pick her up. Greg agreed and left his home for Terelgan at 2.15am. The trip would take around 30 minutes. Greg arrived outside the pub and Belinda got in the car. 
She slumped into the front seat and looked at Greg. Where's Jaden? I told you he's in hospital, Greg replied. Being so drunk, Belinda kept asking, Where's my boy? Where's my boy? Greg told her that he was all right. Belinda demanded to be taken to the hospital to see Jaden, but Greg argued that he won't take her because she was too drunk and they wouldn't let her in. They argued for a while until Belinda agreed to go home and sleep it off before going to the hospital. And that's where we're going to leave part one. Please join us for part two. I hope you enjoyed part one. And um, please join us on social media. Share this podcast with your friends. Rate it on Apple iTunes. Give us five stars if you think it's any good. And, um, yeah, hopefully you'll join us for the next one. We'll see you later. Trying to do things again and I went berserk.